Thursday on the Men at the Movies podcast. We get a little weird as we talk about Doctor Strange. We discuss the power of the unseen, the difference between prayer and magic, and the cost of transformation. Join us as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Men at the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me from way down in Hotlanta, Britt Mooney. <laughs> hey man. Hey man, it's Wetlanta this week. <laughs> we are, it is raining. It has been raining the last few days like nobody's business, but. Yeah, I, I mowed my lawn last, uh, I think like Thursday or Friday and I have to do it again already and it's, you know, Wednesday. So lots of greenery, lots of, lots of moisture, lots of gray skies. But hey, it's springtime. There's new growth. Easter's right around the corner. Uh, if you live in certain places, you are very thankful for the rain, and and so I try to remember that. I I do not live in the sort of industry where I am thankful for rain. You know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, I sit at a computer and and do dumb stuff most of the day, uh, not constructive stuff like bringing food out of the ground and that right. sort of thing. So, um, I try to remember that rain is a good thing. Rain is rain means that life is going to happen. You know, yeah, that's good stuff. We're preaching already. That's right. So this week we are delving into the MCU, the Marvel comic universe, but probably not with, you know, we're not going with Iron Man or Spider-Man or Captain America. No, we're, we're starting with Dr. Strange. Yeah. Good choice, man. Yeah, because we were we were talking about doing the mission in uh, back a movie from back in the eighties, and the problem is I'm not sure either one of us remember it clearly enough to know whether that's a good movie to do or not, right. which probably is a sign it's probably not because right. we haven't seen it. <laughs> well, and it didn't stick with us in the right. same way some of the other movies maybe from that time I think period. It, I think it ends rather oddly. It and does. It, it, it really does. So we're not sure that, that it's a it's a good one for us to... Obviously, it's not a movie that resonates with a lot of men. Right. So Saturday... Um, yeah, Saturday, wasn't it? Maybe Friday. It doesn't so. matter. <laughs> one of those days. A day that I was watching a movie last week. Um, I've been over the summer, and now we're back into spring again, but um, with, my, with my youngest, we've been watching the Marvel Comics movies. Starting in chronological order. So starting with the the original, the first Captain America, and then you're moving up until I think Captain Marvel, because that happened in the eighties or something, and then moving along. So we're all, we're getting close. And and as we do, now we're gonna have to add WandaVision and the um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. Which is fantastic. Yeah, it has been good. <laughs> So we, we got to Dr. Strange and I was watching it and for the, really the first time, I'm like, man, we should do this movie. This has a lot of deep truth in it. Yeah. So it I does. texted you. I was like, Hey dude, let's do Dr. Strange instead of the mission. I'm in. Yeah. My, my kids love this movie. So they, they totally got sucked in the other night when I was watching it, writing notes and they were getting mad at me because I was rewinding it a couple of times <laughs> to, to write down the, the lines that I wanted to remember. Dad, I'm like, first of all, you've seen this movie like 50 times. <laughs> Secondly, go away. If you don't, I'm not watching this just, you know, like I'm actually writing notes. I'm at stuff, work. So. I'm at work, guys. <laughs> Suffering for Jesus. Watching a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I spent like last week, I spent all day working. Really? What did you do? Well, I watched a movie, then I wrote stuff about it, and then I re-edited about another movie. And yeah, that right. sounds like a rough day. You know, so no, it's one of my kids' favorites, and you know, just some of the visuals are so cool with the wizard fights. I mean, you know, that's not really the, the spiritual aspects we'll get to, but we just we love the movie. And uh, Benedict Cumberbun or whatever his name is, he um, <laughs> I'm Cumberbatch, I know his name. He uh, he he does such a great job. He was a great choice. 
Uh, but I think he'd be good in almost anything. Like he's yeah. just one of those actors where it's like, you just put him in something. He's going to be good at that. Um, but he really does. He knocks it out of the park, I think in a lot of ways. So it's a great movie. So the movie starts when we have, and, and we're going to talk a lot about basically the arc of Stephen Strange, kind of the boss fight stuff. We were like, that's not that compelling. <laughs> it's not, it's a little, you know, cliched and kind of like, meh. But the the arc and the transformation of Doctor Strange is different than most of the other Marvel movies. Uh, and, and so it opens with Doctor Strange. He's a highly successful uh, neurosurgeon. You know, when you talk about, we're well, not talking about brain surgery here. Well, in this case, we are. Right. And along with that, he has a giant ego. And he's not really a nice guy except for to this, this one um, woman, uh, she's an ER doctor. Uh, her, her name's Christine. And you see them in, in engaging early on. And they, it's obvious they had a relationship. There's still some affection between them. But then, you know, in, in Stephen, in all his glory, he's flying down this dark road, you know, doing work basically while he's, yeah. while he's driving, gets in a wreck and, loses the use of his hands. Yep. And I'm doing, uh, I've been doing a little research and reading on Joseph Campbell's and the, the hero's journey. And we talk about, you know, there's this, you know, this, the, most stories follow this process, this, these stages. And in this case, this is his call to adventure, which, you know, normally we think call to adventure. Gandalf shows up at Bilbo's door or Luke gets a R2-D2 shows up or Harry Potter gets a letter from Hogwarts. Something inviting you into something. But in this case, Dr. Strange's call to adventure is a car wreck that leaves his hands useless. Yeah, he, he says, you ruined me when he wakes up. So he finally wakes up and they have done surgery already on his hands and they were like, we did the best we could. And he said, I could have done better. You right. know, like, like yeah. his ego is still intact, even in trauma. And he says, you've ruined me uh, because so much of his identity was tied up in the surgeon in excelling. And he, he would only take the, the best cases, you know, even on the phone, he was trying to keep his perfect record and all of this sort of stuff like that. This was important to him. And, and I think it's very instructive to us because how often are we very disappointed or even have accidents or trauma? There's something that happens in our life where it feels like it ruins us. It feels yeah. like everything we've ever hoped for is out the window uh, that could be a divorce. That could be the death of a loved one. That could be the death of a, I mean, the death of a child. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are seriously traumatic that on the surface, if we look at, look like this, that's it. My life is over. It's hopeless, wh whatever it might be. And yet in the story we see it's despite the fact that he is, he continually tries to find his old life. Like there's a big part piece of the movie where he's, he's fighting. He's going to, he's going to borrow money. He's going to, yeah. you know, take out a loan and do all this <laughs> stuff to try to get like this, all this experimental surgery, because he's trying to get back to who he was, but the path that he's on, it's, it's a new path and he hasn't realized it yet. And I think for a lot of us, it, it takes a pretty big, shift in our brain to see within these moments of tragedy or after moments of tragedy, like this is actually, an, this is, this can be an opportunity for a new path um, because we're in grief or like I said, all our expectations are out the window. And I'll tell a quick story based on this. You know, there, there's a young man in our church who, when he was in high school, lost both of his parents within a year. Wow. And um, one of the pastors at our church was there for him. He was the chaplain of the football team. This young man was on the football team and uh, was there for the family, was there for him and his, his younger brother. 
you know, did the funeral and did all sorts of things like, uh, and so we stayed connected, but then he went to, you know, cause he was a teen and he was in high school and he went to go live with uh, his aunt and uncle who were not a great fit for him and was not having a good life out there. And, but he got older and got about 20 and decided he was going to move back over to the other side of town, moved in with somebody in the church and, and, and he went on a mission trip with us and, and I was one of the leaders on the mission trip and he really felt God wanted him to go on the mission trip. And, and I told them to write something or I asked them to write something. What did, what's something God showed you on the trip? What's, what's something that God showed you and shared with you? And his response made me cry because he said, for so long, I've asked myself, why me? And the real question is, what now? In other words, what's next? And like for the first time, he was looking ahead to what life could be now. And I just, when I read it, I just wept. I mean, because I know this kid, and yeah. a, a young man, and, and I love him and, and pray for him. And, and, and he's a part of our family and our church family and been over to my house and he plays with my kids, right? And just to see that shift in him that he's starting to look ahead. He's looking at others. He's looking for what God can do now. It's such a hard shift, but so it's, it's, it's good that in the movie they go over how hard it is for Dr. Strange, for, for Stephen Strange, because it, it's a hard shift to go because um, Christine says uh, she ends up saying, you know, there, there are other ways. And I, I think maybe you have that clip yeah. where, where she says, you know, there, there, there are other ways your life can have meaning now. And he, he can't even hear it yet. Um, and so, um, so I, I think that's a, that's a, it's a great and very instructive part of the movie for us because it's hard for us to see, like you said, that trauma as a call to adventure and a call to another path that might be better, that might be greater and that God can take even what was meant for evil and turn it into good. Maybe it's time to consider stopping. No, no, is exactly the time not to stop because you see, I'm not getting any better. But this isn't medicine anymore. This is mania. This, some things just can't be fixed. Life without my work. Is still life. This isn't the end. There are other things that can give your life meaning. Like what? Like you. And this is the part where you apologize. This is the part where you leave. Fine. I can't watch you do this to yourself anymore. Not too difficult for you, is it? Yes, it is. It breaks my heart to see you this way. No, don't pity me. I'm not pitying you. Oh, yeah, then what are you doing here? Bringing cheese and wine like the old friends going for a picnic? We are not friends, Christine. We were barely lovers. But you just love a sob story, don't you? Is that what I am to you now? Poor Stephen Strange, charity case. He finally needs me, another drag of humanity for you to work on. Patch him up and send him back into the world, hearts just humming. You care so much, don't you? And the, the, the other piece is we do want to honor the pain, honor the, yeah. the wounding. And this isn't a quick pivot. <laughs> no, it's not. Right? When you have trauma and you have wounding, like the loss of, you know, in his case, the loss of what he loved to do or the loss of a family member or the loss of, of a loss, right? Or trauma or wounding that takes time and it takes sometimes years and yeah. sometimes counseling and therapy. And we have to, as you mentioned, we see God in it because if he, if his eyes were open, he could see Christine for who she was, someone, a friend who was loving him. And by the way, he was wearing a watch willing to lose his life over this watch that on the back she had inscribed. I don't remember the inscription, but it was about how she loved him. Yeah. And that was his most, really the only possession that he kept throughout the movie. As we see, he does lose everything and, or gives up everything, but he always has the watch. And he says he's nothing without his work. And I think for, especially for men, you know, when, when we're talking about the economy and, and I see it in a lot of guys who retire, they lose their identity and lose their will to live in a lot of ways. So, and she's trying to, to speak truth to him. Some things can't be fixed. You're a life without your work is still living. Yep. And as we'll see later in the movie, 
as we've talked before, the big thing is don't quit. Don't stop. Because his whole purpose of becoming a physician was to save lives. And in the end, he's going to get the opportunity to save millions of lives, basically. We do, we do the same thing that Stephen Strange does. We, we, in, our, in our pain, we push people away who are trying to help us. We do the same thing, trying to speak truth to us, trying to help us. God, we push God away yeah. because we blame him. We're, we blame him. <laughs> we're, we're trying to recapture this old life. And, 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 and it is a very difficult thing. I mean, Stephen Strange had to uh, metaphorically at least die to his old life. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> you know, he had to die to that thing. Yeah. And that, not that there's anything wrong with being a surgeon. There's nothing wrong with being that. What, what in this case, if we're going to say God's doing it, but what God wanted to teach Stephen strange and what God wants to teach us is more about our character than really even the doing right. Than really even the path. It's, it's more about our character. What Stephen strange needs to deal with was his arrogance, his pride. And this trauma humbles him and, and, makes him look for things he wouldn't normally look for and try things maybe, you know, extreme. And, and what really turns him though, and this is something I think that's really important is that what kind of opens his eyes just a little bit to a new path is a miracle, a story about a miracle. And this is why we have to tell stories in the church of miracles and we have to tell testimonies of transformation. And this is why the Bible is full of them. This is why Paul says, read this stuff over and over to each other, right? Is because the story of the miracle is important. The story of a miracle says, well, maybe something else is possible that I never thought was, imp- what was what, something I thought was po- impossible. Maybe it's possible. And, and it opens up new possibilities for us that we never would have considered unless somebody said, well, you know, there was a guy, you know, uh, there, was, there was a guy in here, the therapist guy, the physical therapist guy, yeah. there was a guy in here and he couldn't walk. And everyone said he was doomed or whatever. He was just going to be like the rest of his life. And I saw him on the street. He just disappeared. I thought he'd die. And then I see him on the street and he's totally healthy. And the, then the guy's playing basketball and right. like, but this, those stories of transformation have power in other people's lives. And that's why we have to learn to tell our story. That's why we have to do podcasts like this. That's why we have to point to the scripture. That's why we have to celebrate Easter. Right. <laughs> right. Because even the disciples didn't get it until he shows up. He's like, didn't I tell you I was coming back? Like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, come on, like you were dead. I thought you meant like metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and, and that's why, you know, when, when people were putting together this, the scripture and, and, and in the early church, the, the gospels that survived, because there were other gospels, the gospel of Thomas, there's other gospels, the gospels that survived universally in the church were survived for a reason. The elders and the pastors of the, and of those churches picked the ones that had the death and resurrection in it. They're like, no, it's got to have that right. because that's the story that opens people's mind. It goes, wait, a dead man walked. Something's different about this. And uh, so anyway, it's a miracle. I thought it was very important that a miracle to him right. opened his eyes and made him search in, in ways that he wasn't, he wasn't willing to do before. And I'm going to go on the opposite side of where we started from at the beginning, because we did say there are major traumas and wounds that we endure and we see the miracles. And sometimes we look for miracles of, Oh my gosh, this guy with a severed spinal cord is walking. And sometimes our wounds and our traumas and the things that we have to deal with don't seem quite so big. And you might be sitting there, you might be thinking, well, I haven't, you know, all my family is intact. I haven't suffered this grievous event in my life that has shaken me to my very core. But I was even, I was thinking yesterday and I was talking to somebody, this is spring football season because uh, of COVID. So my, my boys are playing high school football. I have a son who's a senior this year. And I realized yesterday he has two games left. And I realized that that next week 
is the probably the last time I'm going to watch him play sports, play in a uniform, you know, because he's going to go to East Carolina. Not sure he's going to play any sports there other than intramurals. And, and we just don't know. The plan is not, we don't have a great plan for, for sports. And I was like, this could be the last time that I ever see him. And it made me then think of all the days, all the Saturdays, all the weekdays that we had gone to practice, that we had gone, you know, given up stuff and to, to watch him. Like I coached him in basketball and going to watch him run track and all these memories. And it's a change. And similar to, to Steven, it's a call to adventure. And it's not necessarily one I want because when your kids get to an age, your relationship shifts. They move out of the house. They go to college. They get a job. They start a family. And you're, it changes. And there is a loss and an ache that you might think is not that big a deal. But I still think it's something that we can look at and saying, not just why me or, or try to cling to, and I see parents do this, of sort of having their kids be as dependent as possible for as long as they can. But what now? Like what now? We had, what's next? Yeah, what's next? Uh, another part of that whole scene with, uh, I don't remember the character's name, but it was, it's Benjamin Bratt. What, what's this? Yeah. The whole scene with him, because he pulls him away from playing basketball, and he says, he says, I want to know how you did it. Uh, what happened? We know what we know. And so he's trying to figure it out medically. And, and the, cause it, it's humbling. Seeing a miracle is humbling. Right. Cause right? he's seen his files. He knows he shouldn't be walking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, as a background in the movie, like Stephen strange had rejected even trying to help this guy because he was so hopeless. Right. Uh, so he, so, you know, they, there was that's no a great connection to make. There's no glory in it. And, and, but here's what uh, Pangborn is that what is yeah. that was in? it says my mind was elevated, my spirit was deepened, and then my body was healed. In other words, the things were fixed in the unseen first, and right. then the scene was, uh, and then what we see, the physical was affected, and then he says something else. He says the cost is high. So when Stephen Strange, he tells him where to go, if you, the place you're looking for is here, but he's, I got to warn you, it's going to cost you. And Stephen Strange is like, oh, I got, I, I'll, I'll pay whatever. He goes, no, I'm not talking about money. The cost is high. And that is the call to the gospel. The call right. to the gospel first confronts you with a miracle. The dead raise again. The lame walk, the blind see. Right? I want to be a part of that. Okay, but the cost is high. The, the, it's going to cost you your life, and it costs Stephen his life. Like you said, he loses everything. He has to give up everything. You know, like, like it, it, it has, it, it will cost you. And I just thought that was such a great turn in the movie uh, because really the villain is. We talked about this before. The villain is trash. I'm sorry. The villain <laughs> in this movie is crap. Uh, so we're not going to talk a lot about the villain. I think it was but, Marmaduke. Um, it was a big dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I wrote down that our brokenness sends us on a journey. Yeah. That's why God allows it because our brokenness will send us on a journey to find something real. Right. And, 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 and it makes us so desperate that we would do things we wouldn't normally do. Right. And, and, and I think you, you make the, you've said the quote before about the teacher will find you or something. Yeah. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's exactly what happens in the movie is, is he can't find the right door or he's rejected or whatever, but then Mordo or whoever he is kind of comes not, to find Not him. Sauron and Gollum, Mordor, Mordor. <laughs> the, the guy finds him. He ends up in, in Nepal and this to the door and he meets uh, the ancient one uh, who will, will be the, his guide in this journey. Mr. Strange. Uh, doctor, actually. Well, no, not anymore, surely. Isn't that why you're here? You've undergone many procedures. Seven, right? Yeah. It's good tea. Yes. Did you heal a man named Pangborn, a paralyzed man? In a way. You helped him to walk again? Yes. How did you correct a complete C7, C8 spinal cord injury? Well, I didn't correct it. He couldn't walk. 
I convinced him that he could. You're not suggesting it was psychosomatic. When you reattach a severed nerve, is it you who heals it back together or the body? It's the cells. And the cells are only programmed to put themselves back together in very specific ways. Right. What if I told you that your own body could be convinced to put itself back together in all sorts of ways? We're talking about cellular regeneration. That's bleeding edge medical tech. Is that why you're working here without a governing medical board? I mean, just how experimental is your treatment? Quite. So you figured out a way to reprogram nerve cells to self-heal? No, Mr. Strange. I know how to reorient the spirit to better heal the body. The spirit to heal the body. Uh, 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 all right, how, how do we do that? Where do we start? Don't like that, Matt? Oh, no, it's, it's really good. It's just, you know, I've seen it before in gift shops. <laughs> and what about this one? Acupuncture, great. Yeah? What about that one? You're showing me an MRI scan. I do not believe this. Each of those maps was drawn up by someone who could see in part, but not the whole. I spent my last dollar getting here. One way ticket and you're talking to me about healing through belief. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. And you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole, to see more, to know more. And now, on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine, you reject the possibility. No, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more. You're just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you. That was a very long clip. But I think when we're searching, when we're honest, as you mentioned, when the, when the student is ready, the, the teacher appears. And when we are searching, you know, the, Jesus said, ask, you will receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. And that's what happened with Stephen. He's, he's seeking, and he's asking, and he's knocking, <laughs> right? And it, he walks in, and it's somebody who knows him intimately. Oh, and she, I love it that she calls him Mr. Strange. No, 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 doctor. <laughs> Not anymore. I mean, you can't, you, can't, you can't do the doctor thing in your current state. Because we show up and we still hold on to our old lives. Yep. And we hold on to these old beliefs. We think we know how the world is working. And as you, you mentioned earlier, God is inviting us on a journey to deeper truth about the world and about ourselves. So that we will become more a part of what he wants to do on earth. Yeah, and, and I love that scene for a couple of different reasons. But first, I'll just say this some of the spiritual theology in mm. this movie is off, obviously that, you know, the stuff about chakras and some of that stuff, it's, it's, uh, we're it's, not subscribing to that here. We're not really subscribing <laughs> to that, but as, as a parallel, what happens, we see the miracle. We say, no, I, I want the healing. I want the, this It's going to cost you. And the first thing that it costs him is to believe in something he thought was a fairy tale. And that happens with Christianity too. People go, oh no, I, I've heard about Jesus. Oh yeah. no, no, no. I, you know, it's just a fairy tale. Oh, it's just a, that's not real. Or, oh, they hate, they hate people. They hate this, pe you yeah. know, these people and Christians just are just legalists or whatever, you know, they, they, people have their own conceptions uh, sometimes because they've seen bad examples, right? right? But they have their own conceptions about what things are. But, but the first cost is him being challenged with his belief, with his belief, because he literally says, there is no such thing as spirit. We're just a speck in the universe. And I love what she says. She says, do you think so little of yourself? Yes. Like he's so arrogant, but really his arrogance is really, his world is too small. Well, he, he's trying he to find meaning in himself and. As we, the, the saying goes, the center cannot hold. <laughs> right. Yeah. The center cannot hold. So I, I just love that. I also love how, um, Mordo, right. That's his yeah. name yeah. That, that Mordo relates 
that Mordo relates to him. I was like that. I was like that too. And, and, and I think that's being a good guide. Like, because when we come to other people, like you said, we have to validate the pain. We have to validate that space that they're in where they don't want to believe, or they're still trying to recapture some old life or whatever. When people have gone through trauma, we have to, we have to be kind and relate and be like, I was there, you know, there. So part of teaching is remembering where you were like that. Like I was there, I was just like you and, 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 but I've been on this journey and I'm going to help you, you know, on this journey too. Let's do it together kind of thing. Um, so I love that part, but I, I, and I love the fact that she, she then shows him because that's kind of what happens next after the clip is she shows him, she starts to show him this other world. And and there's a, there's a big part of this movie that, that should kind of teach us like when we're shown this other world, when God starts to reveal to us, because it it can only happen through revelation. It can't happen through, through intelligence. It can't happen through emotion. Uh, Like an intellect and emotion will not get us, to God, only his revelation, only him revealing himself. The Bible is very clear about this. this. Only the spirit can reveal God. Like that's all, that's the only way this happens. And so, so he had to have an experience, right? He had to have an experience where this was revealed to him. Like, Oh, there's this whole other world. There's this whole other life. And he is, he is at the same time afraid and in complete wonder. Right. And he wants to be a part of it, but he's also afraid because he's like a child. He's like a baby. Like he knows nothing. And I love what she says at one point, because she says, she says, forget everything you think, you know, forget everything you think, you know, and that's what it's like to come into the kingdom. That's what it's like to come into the kingdom. And I make the joke all the time, you know, and I'll say it, you know, at church or whatever. And I'll say, well, you know, the Bible says, unless you become an old educated fuddy duddy (laughs) that you can't enter the kingdom of heaven and people, no, no, you know, they laugh. And I was like, no, as a child, you can only come in as a child because you don't know anything about this world. You are completely new. You are completely new in this. And you can also go into the whole born again and all of that stuff. Like you're a baby coming in to this world. Um, And so that's kind of what he does. That's kind of what Stephen Strange experiences. And so in that moment, and he is in still in his arrogance saying, we're just dust. We, there is nothing in this life. There's, I don't believe in these fairy tales, all this junk. It's just some nice story. To me, it reminded me of uh, what Job, how God responded to Job when Job was, was questioning God. And some of the stuff that she says on this next clip, as she begins showing him the reality of the world he lives in, Why are you doing this to me? To show you just how much you don't know. Open your eyes. You think you know how the world works. You think that this material universe is all there is. What is real? What mysteries lie beyond the reach of your senses? root of existence, mind and matter meet. Thoughts shape reality. This universe is only one of an infinite number. Worlds without end. Some benevolent and life-giving. Others filled with malice and hunger. Dark places where powers older than time lie ravenous and waiting. Who are you in this vast multiverse, Mr. Strange? Have you seen that before in a gift shop? Teach me. There's, and again, we're, I'm not sure the multiverse is part of what the Bible teaches, (laughs) but if you just say in this universe, what is real? We say it's physical. It has, you know, and there are people out there who say, well, no, it's just what we see, what science can explain, but science can't explain love or joy. It might say, well, you're happy because of these chemical reactions. 
And honestly, if there are people out there, and I don't want to say if, because there, are, I know there are, but the people out there who live like Stephen Strange came into this saying, all we are just these chemical compounds and there's no spirit and there's no nothing. That's misery, man. If you're just like, well, you know, when I die, I'm just going to go back to nothingness. Well, that makes life pretty freaking pointless. Yeah. And she, I love that of, of why are you doing this to me? We ask that of God a lot. Right. Why, right. why are we, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Like, because I'm trying to show you that the world isn't all about you. I'm trying to show you the deeper reality. Yeah. Uh, and here's the, here's the truth. The truth is that the unseen is more real than what we see. Yeah. That's the truth. That's faith. Faith is the perception and the pursuit of the unseen. And so God, like you're saying, is trying to reveal to us that truth that what we don't see is more real than what we do see. And when people try to kind of go on that path and usually it's, I kind of take it with a grain of salt because they don't really believe it. Cause I start to ask, <laughs> ask questions like, so, you know, your actions, did they just happen randomly or did you think about them first and then you acted? Well, I, I well, thought I'm just a product I, of my environment and my, how I was yeah, upbringing. And you know, uh, because people, realize like you thought about it first, at least sometimes you think about it first and then you say it right. In other words, like everything happens first in the unseen, you know, what we, what we, what we, you know, what we believe determines what we think and what we think determines what we do. Like everything has its root in the unseen. Well, this podcast existed in our minds long before <laughs> it was actually present. Yeah. And so, so we have it all the time. We have so many examples of, of ways that what is unseen is more real and we believe it. Talk about COVID. I mean, <laughs> people can't see this virus and they, yet they, we are arguing about how real it is and how, and what we should do about it. And people are going to all sorts of extremes because of, of, of something we can't physically see but we know is real. And so, so we have different, you know, ways of, of dealing with that. But my point is, is that that's, that is the truth. The truth is what is unseen is more real than what we see. And God's trying to show us that, that the, because what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen will last forever. And, and, and so only an unseen God can deal with the things at the heart of who we are, which are unseen. Like you said, love, joy, hope, the things we long for, the things that matter, the things that matter, family, relationship, connection, intimacy, purpose. These are the things that really help us survive because you can have everything physically that you need and still be completely miserable and suicidal or whatever. Like we, you know, all you got to do is watch VH1's Behind the Music. Uh, this is a really old <laughs> show. I don't even know if that exists wow. anymore. Uh, but, but, you know, every episode except for one uh, of VH1's Behind the Music was uh, I sacrificed everything to become a rock star. And then I was a rock star and it was empty. It was nothing. It didn't mean anything. And that's Ecclesiastes, right? I gave myself over to women. I gave myself over to wine. I gave myself over to anything my heart desired. And I found it was all empty because it didn't affect the unseen. What was, what was truly his heart, what he, what, what his heart truly longed for. And so that's where God's trying to take us. And, and we do ask the question, why are you doing this to me? And, and that's what God's doing. He's trying to give you something that's eternal and lasting, something you can't lose. Well, and I would argue that even in the midst, even at the height of his glory, Dr. Strange still felt empty mm -hmm. and he still kept trying to fill it and he kept trying to figure it out. And that's why at the very end, and that's why I included that last bit at the end where it says, where he says, teach me, because when you get a glimpse, as she says, when you get a glimpse of life through the keyhole of all that, that is truly offered through the gospel your really only response is like his is to get down on your knees and say, teach me, yeah. show me how to do this. Show me this reality of everything I never knew I always wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then he starts 
then he starts to get into the teaching and, you know, I, again, I, we can get into some of the lessons that he learns, but I think there's some interesting things that he has to learn along the way, you know? And so he sits down with the ancient one and she begins showing him in the terms of this movie, showing him the magic. The source code that shapes reality. We harness energy drawn from other dimensions of the multiverse to cast spells, to conjure shields and weapons, to make magic. Even if my fingers could do that, my hands would just be waving in the air. I mean, how do I get from here to there? How did you get to reattach severed nerves and put a human spine back together, bone by bone? Study and practice, years of it. Again, we're taking a big leap here on this one, I think. A little bigger than normal. But we do have access to the power of creation. The Absolutely. source code, to you know, the, the Jesus is the power who is in all and holds everything together, right? I mean, that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we'd look at it and then he's, she, I love, she said, we conjure shields, we make weapons. And we talk about prayer as a weapon. And we talk about the shield of faith. We need shields to protect us from the attacks of the evil one. And because I think that comparing prayer to magic is actually pretty good because this is something I've talked about for a little while, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians, they'll pray over their meals, you know, when, when they're out in public and, and to somebody who does not believe in God, then that appears really like Harry Potter. You're saying some words and expecting God to do something or hopefully not. You're saying words just, because that's a ritual thing that you do just because that's what you should be doing. Hopefully we're, hopefully we can move past that, but we don't think of prayer as like this ultimate weapon. We don't like we were talking, we, we talked a little bit before uh, the podcast. We said we, we pray for healing and then are surprised when it happens. And her response was, was like, I, you know, and I think especially for new Christians, but also as, um, maybe Christians who haven't experienced this sort of supernatural spiritual world aspect, spiritual warfare aspect. There's like, uh, why do some prayers work and some don't? Because that's how it appears, right? Right. And what she says is study and practice. Yeah. Years of it. Because we, it's not just something that, you know, we can't just, you know, if it's playing football, if I go out on the field in the Super Bowl, I'm not going to be successful. But it, by spending time practicing, training, disciplining, and I don't mean like discipline, like, you know, self-flagellation with wet noodles <laughs> or anything. What I mean is, is study and practice is how you develop the skills of prayer because we are, we're under God's authority. But then Jesus has given all authority to us. His spirit gives us power that we don't often take advantage of. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we, we don't really understand prayer because we don't, it's hard for us to get past some of the th- things that are said in, in the new Testament. Cause we don't see it. <laughs> you know, we, we don't see it and, and we're not taught it either. We're not taught. Yeah a lot of times prayer is taught as a, well, you got, you know, do your quiet time and you pray. Like we're not literally, we're not taught that prayer is a battle, that prayer is where, where you fight, you know, you have, you know, just maybe some this songs. Is how goes, fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. <laughs> um, but, you know, so Jesus says there's, there's coming a time when you won't have to ask me anything. You'll just ask the father directly. And anything you ask in my name will be done. And that seems like hyperbole. That seems like that that can't be true. Like that seems so far outside of who we are. And yet the disciples saw Jesus practice this. Like they saw that when Jesus asked the father for things, they were done. Yeah. And so when he says that, 
it, it, it could be real, you know, and, but for us as Christians, we all have the experience of praying for things that didn't happen. And so it discourages us and, and there's things we wanted to have happen, but they didn't. And, and, and so then, but the disciples did ask Jesus to teach us how to pray. And so he gives them the Lord's prayer. And basically here's how Jesus did it. He's trying to teach us how to do it. This is the source code. He says, look, because it's, it's all based on relationship. You see, this is the difference between prayer and magic. It might look like magic or sound like magic to some people, but the difference between prayer and magic is magic is about manipulation. Mm. Magic is about manipulating the situation to get what you want. And James says, you don't, you have not because you ask not. You also have not because you ask amiss according to your own desires. So sometimes you don't get stuff in prayer because you're not really asking according to God's will. You're asking according to your desires. Not that God doesn't care about your desires, but he's calling you to a mission, to a purpose. And so here's what, here's how Jesus did it. Here's the source code. Jesus heard his father. Jesus says, I I don't say anything. All I say is what I, I hear my father say. All I do is what I see my father do. So when he prayed, he was praying what the father told him to pray. <laughs> he was praying according right. to what his father was out of relationship. His, the, the, he was praying out of relationship. And so that's what Jesus shows them in the Lord's prayer. He was also, Jesus also prayed according to mission, right? Uh, and so, so, he's, so he teaches them in the Lord's prayer. You, you deal with God as a father who loves you. You start from heaven. You start in that relationship in heaven. And, you know, that's a whole teaching in and of itself about you go through the different steps of the Lord's prayer. But he's literally tell, telling them, this is why my prayers work is because I'm praying, hearing from God, first of all, yeah. out of relationship with my father. And now he's your father. And then secondly, I'm praying according to his mission, which is to bring heaven to earth. And I'm praying, and my prayer isn't about me, because that um, the only singular pronoun is God in the prayer. Everything else is collective. Our Father, give us bread. Everything's collective. There's not a, it's not about me, it's about us together. Uh, and so all of that to say is this, is, this is what it's about. This is the source code. And, and like you said, with prayer... You know, magic's about manipulating. I, I want a shield. I want but, right. But but in the but in prayer, it's it's this beautiful relationship that we have with God that gives us power. That when God says when God says move a mountain, then you say mountain move, and it'll move. Like that's faith. That's prayer according to faith. And when you talk about Thy will be done, Your will be done. Right. Well, you know what's a really good way to start a prayer, Father? What's your will in this? Exactly. Jesus, what, what do you want to do in this scenario I'm about to pray for? What are you, what do yep. you want to accomplish? Yep. And because we, we submit and then in James, I, I love that you had just referenced James because I have James five sixteen where it says the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective in other translations. It says has great power and produces wonderful results and can accomplish much. And I don't know that a lot of people think that about their prayer life. And we're like, well, a righteous person, that must mean, you know, like a monk or a pastor, a righteous person is, you know, we, we think of it like a holy roller or somebody who's super, you know, puritanical. But I think in this term, righteous is one who is made right with God. One who is becoming one who is wholehearted, you know, the, in, oh man, I can't remember which, which Pauline epistle it was, but he talked about God's goal is to make us whole and holy. Mm-hmm. And those two go hand in hand. And that's what we see with Dr. Strange. He is becoming more wholehearted and more of who he was created to be. Yeah. And, and at one point she tells him, and this is really good because it ha- this is what we're talking about with prayer. At one point she tells him, she says, you have to surrender and silence your ego. That's what she tells them. She says, you have to surrender. Like the power that you have is in your surrender. So like, like you're saying, the, the beginning part of the Lord's prayer is before I ask for anything for me and other people, I first want to know what you want, God. What are you after? Because if I believe he is good, then what he wants is the best. 
Right. And, and so therefore I want to know, like you said, I'm ignorant of what the best is in this situation. I have to, well, let's start with that assumption. This doesn't look good to me. It doesn't look good to me, <laughs> but I'm ignorant of what the best is that you're after. Now, again, that doesn't mean God's okay with pain. I mean, God, God weeps, Jesus wept. Right. Um, it's, it's, he, he relates to us in our pain, but, but we have to ask him, what are you after? What, what, like you said, and that's a surrender. That's a, that's being humble and that's, that's righteousness. That's being made right with God is we start humble. And um, because it also says in James that he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Right. And so that's being made right with God, that we surrender, that our power is in our surrender to his will, because we believe his will is good and the best, not out of some sort of legalism. And so I just love, and I love that she puts him in a situation where he has to use what he's learned because he's having trouble using it. God does the same thing to us. Yeah, He puts yeah. us in situations and you're like, God, why are you doing this to me? He's like, I'm trying to get you to do what I've taught you. That's it's a commendation, not a condemnation. Oftentimes God puts us in hard times because he's like, now use your faith. Right. And you're like, oh, well, I don't want to go into a hard time. I don't want to do this. <laughs> He's like, I know, but I'm putting you into the hard time to be an agent of peace, to be a person of faith, to speak life into this hard situation. That's why I'm putting you in it. And a lot of times we think, why me? Like, I do it all the time. Uh, God, why are you doing this to me? I thought you loved me. <laughs> and He's like, I do love you. That's why I'm putting you in a situation to use the power of creation that I put inside you to speak life, to speak love and to, to be an agent of peace uh, in the midst of this chaos. And so we're going to skip over some bad guy battles <laughs> because again, we get to this other point where she says, you know, the, the, these, the strongholds have fallen. Now you need to be the, the master. And he said, I'm basically he said, I'm still in this because I'm trying to get healed not because I want to be some supernatural warrior. Well, as we find out, as, as they say in Lord of the Rings, open war is upon you, whether you will risk it or not. And the enemy returns and takes out the ancient one. And as she's dying, their spirits, both Dr. Strange and the ancient one spirits get together and talk. And he asks about his future. You have such a capacity for goodness. You always excelled, but not because you craved success, but because of your fear of failure. That's what made me a great doctor. It's precisely what kept you from greatness. Arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all. Which is? It's not about you. When you first came to me, you asked me how I was able to heal Jonathan Pangborn. I didn't. He channels dimensional energy directly into his own body. He uses magic to walk. Constantly. He had a choice. To return to his own life, or to serve something greater than himself. So I could have my hands back again. My old life. You could. And the world would be all the lesser for it. We are recording this on Wednesday of Easter week, of Holy Week. And in this, this situation, as he said, Pangborn had a choice. He could take this power and use it to get his life back. So he could play basketball <laughs> and walk. And in this scenario, Dr. Strange could use his power to get his hands back and become the doctor he wanted to be. Probably better because he's got the cheat code now. <laughs> but the world would be a darker and lesser place for it. And Jesus had a choice, much like Pangborn, much like Doctor Strange, much like we all do. We have a choice when we're confronted at this moment. We can go back, sort of like the red pill, blue pill that Neo gets offered in, uh, in the Matrix. We get offered a choice. And Jesus was offered a choice because he said, I could call down angel armies right now to rescue me from the cross. And he could. And I think that was, that was sort of the, the big temptation, the last temptation that Jesus had to face was the temptation that he didn't have to do it. 
He chose to. He submitted to the will of the Father. He submitted. And through his sacrifice, the world was saved. Through his submission, heaven is made available here on earth. Like, that's a funny thing. People, you know, we, we paint uh, Christianity as pray the prayer, come to know Jesus, and when you die, you get to go to heaven. Which is, again, not untrue. Yeah, right. But it's not the untrue. tip of the iceberg that's over the water. There's like 90% of it that's underwater. And the truth is your eternal life has started already. Yep. And our role here, we can, we can say, yep, I got my get out of hell free card. Walk along with my happy little life, striving for a little comfort, a little peace. And you're always going to be, as she said, looking at the keyhole, feeling like you're missing out on life. Or you can engage in a harder way, a weirder way, as, as uh, Christine would say to him later. Because he said, I have to go. I have to. You said there was a way I could save lives, but not using medicine. And it's, it's not going to It's look, a harder way. It's a harder way. It's a weird. Yeah. And she said, it's a weirder way. <laughs> yeah. It's his, has his cloak is floating. And, but we do have that choice because yeah. God does honor our choices. We, we choose, we have to choose to ask. We have to choose to seek. We have to choose to knock because if we don't, God's not going to knock us over the head. He's going to let us live our smaller lives. He might knock you over the head. He might. But you, you still have to choose. See, here's the thing. The kingdom of God is not about coercion. It's not love if it's coerced and manipulated. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's just not. It's not about force. It's not about if anyone could force us to do anything, it's God. But he doesn't because he wants it to be in love. And here's why. Because he loves us so much. What he's trying to give us is, again, what our hearts long for. What our hearts long for is intimacy and purpose. And so therefore we do the same thing as Dr. Strange, right? We get into this thing and say, oh, I just got into this for healing. And God's like, no, <laughs> you, you've been recruited for a purpose. You've been born again, not for you. It's not about you. It's not about you. You've been, you've been born again for you, but also for others. You've been born again to be, uh, to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation. It says in second Corinthians, God making his appeal through you. That's what he says. Uh, that's what Paul says. And so you, you were meant to be a part of this war. You were born again. You were given the, the, the tools, the gifts, the sword, the shield, you were given all this stuff because you were born again to be a part of this world. You were born again to be an agent of peace during COVID, during what, whatever hard situation that your family's in and your job is in and, and, and stuff's going on with your friends and people you love. Like you were born again to be on mission. And, you know, there's a, there's a book called um, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And it is a hard oh. book to read, <laughs> but it is, a, it is a good book to read uh, in this sense because, um, because he was, this was a man and he was a, a psychiatrist and he was right there with um, Freud and those guys. He was, he was German and he was in that same sort of contemporary time. And he was put placed in a concentration camp. And he talks about who actually survived and held on to kindness in the midst of such horrible circumstances, the worst of circumstances. Like, I mean, like the stuff he describes is so awful, uh, but he, but well, the, the difference was who had purpose, who believed that there was a higher purpose that they were, that they were still a part of, even in the midst of these awful circumstances that the people who believed they were a part of a higher purpose they remained human in the midst of it because either people would become animals and, or, or suicidal, like either they would become the animals they were treated like being, or they would just try to kill themselves because they were hopeless. And that's what we see in the world. Maybe not to that extreme, but that's what people do. People just start to live for themselves because this is all that they see, but God's trying to give us the best. He's trying to, just like she's trying to give Dr. Strange the best. Like I'm trying to put you on mission because he's like, why are you, I'm not in this for this. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to give you something greater 
uh, and she kind of describes that to him, this greater purpose that you have. And I love where he's, when he said, I'm not ready. And she said, no one ever is. And she says, it's not up to us. We don't get to choose our time. And there's an urgency to our mission, right? We, we only have so many days on this earth to participate in that mission. Like right. God, the Bible says our days are numbered, you know, you're life's not promised but a vapor. <laughs> yeah. Life's but a vapor. But, but that, that doesn't mean we're not at peace right. because we have peace because like you said, we're already in heaven. We're already yeah. in eternal life. That's, that's what gives us peace. But there's an urgency to our mission because our time on earth where it matters in the sense of people can change their destiny, <laughs> right? This is the, this is the moment we get to change our destiny. So there's an urgency to it. And, um, and, and when he starts to, when he learns finally that it's not about him, like you said, he, he, he reconciles what happens. He reconciles with Christine, right? Yeah. Which is important because he had pushed her away and he pulls her back in and he, he is almost, he doesn't really say he's sorry, but there's almost this, like, you were right you know, what you said was true. And he reconciles with her in his humility and it not being about him now. Right. And, and then he also sacrifices himself instead of killing. Cause he says, I don't want to kill people. I swore not to kill people, but instead of killing to win, he sacrifices himself. He uses the power of the time stone and you know, it's the infinity stone yeah. and the whole thing, but he uses the power available to him to sacrifice himself and to say, go ahead, kill me. I'm just going to live again. Go right. ahead, kill me. I'm just like, I love that. Like it's an infinity, get it. It's infinity. It's an infinity stone. And he's using that to say, you can't actually kill me. You can keep trying, but we're just going to keep going through this loop. And then the evil ha- evil ends up giving up. Well, and that's <laughs> and the, the promise of, the gospel, the promise of heaven is, and I thought it was interesting. I, I wrote down, he uses the time stone to restore all that was lost or stolen. Yeah. So he shows up and devastation is in Hong Kong. He spins the time back. But even earlier when he had first discovered it, he restored the apple to its pre-eaten state. And that's sort of, that's what God does. That's the promise of heaven is the restoration of, of all things, the restoration of everything lost of everything stolen. Yeah. Uh, he's done it. You know, the, everything, the locusts eat, you're going to get back and then some. Yeah. Jesus, uh, John says it, it's in first John. He says, Jesus came to undo, to undo the works of the devil, to un- undo them. And like you're saying, like to restore them, to go back to the perfect that he created. And that starts with submission. <laughs> but, but, but what, what does he get out of it? I mean, out of, out of that, he gets purpose. He gets a community. Uh, he gets a new enemy, right? right? He gets, I mean, he gets, there's a lot of things that he gets in the, at the end of the story, he gets reconciliation. He has, he had, you know, there's a lot of things that he gets from giving it up from giving up his ego, from surrendering, from there's a lot of things he actually gains that he didn't have in the beginning, but now he's living by truth. Now he's living according to truth and he's living for others as a part of, as a part of the world, not the world for him, but him for the world. And he actually gains so much more. And and I think uh, that arc, uh, despite the fact that the villain is crap, uh, (laughs) but that arc is, I, I think it's what makes it a great movie. It's, it's what, resonates with us that struggle and that's one of the things that marvel does well is they take these characters apart from the superhero part of of who they are and they they take these characters on journeys uh, that are emotional and universal and marvel does a great job with that well because we've all been taken to our knees by loss of whatever that might look like and so seeing how somebody can respond and seeing how wait there is hope there is restoration there is renewal. And how do we do that? With practice, with study. Exactly. With, Don't give with up. Losing our pride, setting our pride down, recognizing the people that are around us who are speaking truth and life and are, are showing up because sometimes love is and friendship and relationship is showing up with wine and cheese, right? And just being there. Because a lot of times when somebody's in that spot, the best thing you can do is just sit there. Yep. Yeah. Like, hey, dude, I, I don't. 
I, I can't, I can't even imagine what you're going through, but I'll sit here with you. Yeah. And, and then you've got to lose the, the, the pride and say, yeah, life doesn't look like how I thought it would. And I can continue banging my head against the wall, trying to make it look like how I think it should. Or I can see what God's up to and say, hey, what's next? Yeah, and she also addresses it not as fully, but she also addresses his fear. And we could oh, talk yeah. a lot about this, but she also addresses his fear. And, and But here's the difficult part. When we've gone through trauma and God says, okay, don't be afraid. Like it's the exact opposite because when you've been through trauma and woundedness and grief, then you're, you're afraid of losing other things because now you have the experience that I could lose everything right now. You have this experience that I just lost this really important thing. And, and, and so, but, but when, when God calls you to submit and it feels like you're going to lose everything, guess what you really lose? You lose the fear and the pride that keep you from the joy and the purpose that he has for you. And that's what Jesus said. Anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But the yep. one who loses his life for my sake will yep. find it. Yep. And it's we, we give up what we think is everything to find out that w- really it was nothing, but what we've gained is everything and is the yep. life that we had. Like Stephen Strange never imagined that he would be facing off with some giant enemy who's and saving millions of lives. Yeah. And let's be honest. It is painful. It is real. It is, it is honest. It is, we feel, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to it, but just like Jesus, let this mind be in you. Uh, Just like it was in Christ. And because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and we are, we are called to do the same knowing that on the other side of it, because we can lose our life for anything. We, people lose their life for all kinds of stuff. But when you lose your life for Jesus and the gospel, uh, that's the reward. And that's a promise. And he's good. And he, that's what he wants to give us. So this has been Paul McDonald and Britt Mooney talking about Dr. Strange. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I hope you join us next week here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be?